Thank you for downloading the podcast of the local paper review with a Romford recorder and Time 107.5. It's time for my local paper review. I'm joined by uh, Chris Carter and Emma Lake from the Romford recorder. Hello. 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 Oh, perfectly timed. Look at that. At the same Did you practice before you got on air today? No. It's no, got natural chemistry. Natural on-air chemistry. That's what it's all about. Um, how's life been in the world of uh, print journalism? Yeah, busy, busy. Another, another big news week, isn't yeah. it? So. Are we ever going to see like normal news again? Or is it always <laughs> going to be this big? Well, at least for the next couple of years, I think, possibly. Yeah. It's not going to be... Um, When's the drum? next time we're going to get a front page that's about a lost cat? We'll see what we can do. Did I tell you about... I think I don't think we overlapped in the right way. I did a gig in... Uh, Malvern, and bought a copy of the local paper there, um, the Malvern Gazette, and their front page was about the fact that a duck was hit by a car, <laughs> and then page three was about the fact that a green car was seen reversing, and that was, and, they, and it actually said, if, it. if you have more information, here's an incident, <laughs> call the police. a green car was reversing suspiciously, it's just reversing. It wasn't yeah. reversing towards the duck, was it? I think you've <laughs> solved it, look at that, look at that, investigative journalism at its best. See. Yeah, it was, and there was another, but further in the paper... Uh, there was, I thought, the more serious story that a bus hit a wall. No one was hurt, but the wall was hit. Yeah. I think that is more important than the green car reversing, mm. not more important than the duck. But perhaps the bus was swerving to avoid the duck. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on in Malvern. Um, do you ever want to retire and go and work on a newspaper like that? Because that can't be tricky, can it? I think I we've, we've all worked on newspapers like, like that. that. Oh, so it's the opposite way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Big, so what, what just, that, was that up in the Norfolk? Yeah, that was Suffolk. Oh, ooh, that's where the news happens. Is many ducks get hit in Suffolk? Uh, less that's pigs, quite a lot of pigs. <laughs> um, not necessarily in road traffic collisions, but out. We once had uh, a major news story because a uh, lorry carrying onions deposited its load on the A14 and that, that led the news for a good week and a half, I think. Wowzers. Yeah. What was the, the effects? Obviously gridlock and a few people crying, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff. Um, but, but we're not looking at that today. Do you cry over spilt onions? Hey. That's, that's what you call a mixed metaphor, isn't it? You say you've been on a course. Yeah. Are you sure about this? Um, so yeah, let's let's jump into the stories uh, from a, a newspaper that's that's not just focused on pigs and ducks. Proper news. Romford Recorder. What have we got? We're going to start with the Romford Recorder's front page story today. Um, and what we uh, the front page story is, um, we've spoken to the uh, father of a soldier killed in Iraq about the uh, release of the Chilcot report. Mm. Um, so he's said that the report's a great victory for the families who lost who lost um, servicemen during the Iraq war. Um, and he's gone on, he's um, condemned the lack of equipment that the soldiers had when they were out in Iraq. Um, but overall, he's, he was pleased with the report. He says the families thought it might be a whitewash, um, but he does think that it's done a good job. And uh, he's, called, um, he's called for Blair to be put on trial for war crimes. You see, I, the, the first poll, the second part in that, in a sense, about the uh, thinking it was going to be a whitewash, I was sat there, well, listening to uh, Chilcott give his statement. I've not read, I've not read the 2.6 million words. <laughs> I've got to be honest, I've had a busy week. Um, and I was sat there thinking, oh, here we go, come on, whitewash, bring it on. And it actually wasn't. And that, for me, seems to be the most shocking part of it. I mean, is it because of the amount of time that's passed? that we actually have a situation where a Prime Minister can get well, called out like that? I guess after seven years, for it to be a whitewash would be yeah. quite scandalous, really, wouldn't it? Um, 
I think it was very surprising, wasn't it? I think most people were surprised with how, how blunt it was in the criticism of of the various uh, players in, in the, who, mm. who were in it, really. And I don't know if you saw the um, the statement from Tony Blair. It was quite um, an emotional speech, wasn't it? And uh, I, Am I being too cynical in the fact that I, I almost feel like I know he's good enough at playing the mm. press, that that is the perfect response? What else could you do other mm. than show that level of emotion? And, and I, maybe yeah. he did it for that reason. And I think it's a lot of people would say. I think this is the first time he's really looked as, as if he's very, you know genuinely sorry, or at least playing the part of being genuinely yeah. sorry. So, um, but but I don't know. I mean, I think there's as, as as with you as well, Steve. I haven't gone through the whole report, but right as I understand, it isn't just the politicians that are um, you know are being blamed. Some of the sort of the military as well. And I think I was watching Question Time last night, and there's one of the MPs who's a former soldier, and he was saying that, you know, some of the military commanders and that have have, have a lot to answer mm. for as well. And when you look at the, I mean, the, the not having appropriate equipment seems ridiculous. The not having a plan beyond the end of your nose seems ridiculous. But the idea of of believing or falling for some information that seems like the least of the the massive crimes here, and yet that's not the one the the war crime that they want him to be tried for is the deciding to go to war. Whereas I think the, the the ridiculous situation of having a country with an um, armed force that you don't have enough equipment to let them fight in two places. Mm. I don't know. That seems like my little... Uh, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to rant. I'm here to ask the question of what you uh, think. Well, I guess... Uh, I think in some ways that's what the families are most upset about. In, you know, I think any family... Any parents or families of soldiers that go to war... You know, they they what they would like to think is that you know that their their sons and daughters, whatever, are in good hands. Mm. I mean, as as a a parent of, you've met my son Toby, who was here a few weeks ago. He want he wants to go into the forces, and and there is in in you know there is that dread of what could possibly happen. But you you like to think that you know that, that they will be equipped to the best yeah. that they need to be, and and I think that's the biggest issue for the families is that you know they were sent out there without any equipment I, I heard something where when the, when the troops first went out there there were some of them that didn't have the desert um, uniforms, yeah. mm. they just had the green uniforms and Tony Blair turned up and they were told whatever you do stay out of the way because we don't want Mr Blair to think, to know that you know we haven't got the right equipment even down to the wrong uniform Yeah, the wrong camouflage a bit of camouflage there so ridiculous isn't it i think on top of that if you know if you did if you were to get that knock on the door you'd like to think that your child or husband was you know fighting for a cause that you can believe in mm. and that was for the greater good as it were oh that's yeah. interesting though because for me the uh, if if i had a relative who was in the in the army then it's not the choice of the job of the relative, the relative to try and guess the reasons to go to war. It's not the job of the soldiers to try and guess the reasons to go to war, but it very much is the job of the government to make sure that soldier has the equipment. So that, whilst I see what you're saying, that you'd want your relatives to be fighting for a good cause, in every single war, someone has to have been in that war for the wrong reason, of the mm. two sides. Otherwise, there's no result. So, I, I don't know, to try and second-guess the reasons for it, there's a discussion to be had there, but it doesn't seem as as ridiculous as not having the right equipment. Yeah, that's you shouldn't yeah. even, you shouldn't be playing that game if you don't have the stuff to be doing it with. And then it's the hindsight is something that you add into this. I mean, if if Iraq was very different these days, 
it is possible that Tony Blair would not have to stand on the stage and cry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that is that is the other side of the story, isn't it? That obviously there was I think it's 179 of our servicemen and women who died, but there's tens, hundreds of thousands. Mm. There's been various estimates of now, and I'm not sure what the accurate estimate is of Iraqi civilians and that have, that have been killed and still happening. I think it was mentioned last night on Question Time. How was it? A couple of days ago, 250 was it? Iraqi people were killed in in a in a suicide bomb. So yeah. it's still going on now. And as you say, you know, this is the the fallout to what to what happened what happened in 2003. So, and it's still going on sort of 13 years later. Yeah, and um, but hindsight will keep changing as well, won't it? Because give it uh, another 50 years, and who knows what situation we'll be having hindsight from then? I don't know. So that side of it seems very very difficult to guess what you'll be looking back at but at no point do i think you can ever look back and go oh it was okay not to have the right equipment that's mm. that's such a fundamental but i yeah. guess that's not a war crime is it that's just ineptitude or but do you, do you think just thinking about it do you think that in every war we've been to we've always had the right equipment i'm i'm absolutely certain that when they went into the first world war that the soldiers didn't have the right equipment or certainly didn't have up-to-date equipment. I yeah. think some of, the, some of the weaponry was quite old-fashioned, and I think also in the Second World War as well. In the Second know. World War, we were kind of pretty much bankrupt, weren't we, by, by the end of it? We didn't have... We were begging America yeah. to lend us anything yeah. we could use. And I think it was the number of Spitfires or a number of fighter planes we had compared to to Germany was ridiculous, wasn't it? And I think come the Battle of Britain, they managed to increase them, but we were still outnumbered, so we were we didn't really... You could say we didn't have the right equipment in that war as well. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's something that always happens because that's mm. you can't necessarily. Although the difference here is that there should have been a bit more planning because you know it wasn't the fact that war's broken out and we yeah. need to now go to war. Mm. It was basically, and that's what happened obviously in the Second World War and the First World War, in particular the Second World War, when you know the incident happened and they invaded Poland, whatever, etc., yeah. etc. And we, we need needed to act there and then. Whereas we could have waited this time exactly, until it yeah. was better. It's not having a plan, where does that that, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had one job that government. Um, so, well, okay, well that's quite the meaty story that we've dealt with. Story number two on the way. What are we looking at? Story number two is. It's another story about a name change. It's Friday, so we're having a look at some of the stuff that's been in the local papers. It's the local paper review, joined by Chris Carter and Emma Lake. We've got story two ready to go. What's it all about? This is um, in the Ilford Recorder this week, and it's a feature on the Citizens Advice Bureau, although I say Citizens Advice Bureau, but they've re- rebranded. They've oh, re- yeah. renamed <laughs> I love this. Apparently because... Um, Bureau gives the impression that it's part of government and a lot of people that come to the citizens' advice service um, have, have actually got into debt with the government so they, they, they don't feel that they want to come to the Bureau because right. they feel it's a government organisation. But, I mean, the I reason think- why we're sort of talking about it today because I think that we forget what a good service the citizens' advice service does. It's weird, isn't it? If you can't say bureau, yeah, no. and yet people, well, they're, yeah. well, they're actually calling it in Redbridge. It's called Citizens Advice Redbridge, so it's car. So we'll I like call that. It, call yeah. it car. Call it car. But it's, it's a good feature by Anne Marie um, Apisa. Um, launched in 1939, 
within days of the outbreak of the Second World War. And the bit quite, I quite like about the history is in 1942, Bureau numbers peaked at 1,074 and one operated out of a converted horse box that parked near bombed areas. So, <laughs> nice. And they've been going ever since. And um, I think they do a great job. And we often, to be honest with you, when people ring us up, we, we get lots and lots of phone calls from people that have issues with various organised councils and things like that and we often sort of refer them to the citizens advice mm. and um, I think people forget the great sort of service that they provide um, so I think it's a, a very good feature that we've done and as I say they've rebranded there are now they've done a lot of work in the last few few months with regards to benefits you know when people have had their benefits and the, uh, the cut and so they've helped with yeah. that so they do a lot of really really good a good work actually and, and but it's just interesting it's another service or another organisation that's uh, rebranded and renamed isn't it we've been talking about this quite a lot really haven't we yeah it's not it's interesting as well if they're rebranding to move away from being seen as part of the government just like we're clearly living in a time where people hate old school versions of the government and so either that means if you're not actually the government you need to sound like you're not the government yeah. or if you are in the government you need to act like you're not a politician and you don't rely on facts yeah. because people don't half hate, hate um, people who know about facts and you know, <laughs> do governmental things these days yeah yeah no we don't want we don't want to hear from experts do we <laughs> yeah I think we've heard enough from experts what a great line by Gov that is if ever you want to win an argument don't be bringing your facts and knowledge well actually I did hear a caller on a, on a radio show say well I mean you, you can prove anything with facts i love that that's amazing <laughs> not, not even just using the statistics line well, yep. facts you're gonna bring facts into this yeah, that's not yeah. fair uh yeah interesting i suppose the great thing about that is as well is um the citizens advice whatever they are called these days um is it, it's it's the only way to fight paperwork because that's the thing that scares you isn't it when you're up against something yeah. like the council or something yeah, yeah. bigger Man alive, they they know the paperwork side of things. Yeah, yeah, they do. I, I mean, it's it's. I think it's an amazing service in that they seem to have experts on on most things, really. But again, who, who, what are experts anyway? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go listen to experts. <laughs> Only if they disagree with you. Uh, okay, have you ever had to use the citizens Ad- citizens advice bureau as it was? No. Really? Is that because you're pretty good at paperwork on your own? I just avoid paperwork. When you lived in Norfolk, none of your pigs ever got hit by anything. <laughs> Did you ever own pigs? No. Got any plans to own pigs? I think Emma's going to be a pig. Exactly. You don't know where the future's got to go. Run away. Oh, yeah, I've never actually used it. I like the idea of the service, but I've never yeah, actually used it. Yeah, no, I haven't used it either. But as I say, we've we've mm-hmm. certainly directed quite a few people towards the Citizens Advice. And, and what I do say to them is, you know, from a from a newspaper point of view, I say that, you know, go to the Citizens Advice. If you're not happy after they've helped you, then um, I'll try to help you. Then then we'll possibly do a story. And to be honest with you, 99% of the time they don't come back to us. So um, so All I right. guess they're doing a, a very good job. That's true, though. What, what do you, who do you go to if you want to complain about the Citizens Advice Bureau? <laughs> is, that, is there an ombudsman of that? I don't know. What would you do? I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, then you're really in trouble. <laughs> it's probably a form you can fill in, but don't get me started on paperwork. Uh, okay, so that's that's nice that, some, that a nice service gets a bit of recognition and uh, attention. That's nice. Story number three on the way. Anything more uplifting on story number three that's going to come out in our way? Actually, ironically, they're not uplifting. Oh, we'll Ooh. find out more soon.
Afternoon, I'm Steve. It's the local paper review. I'm joined by Chris Carter and Emma Lake from the... Right, we'll just keep the table. Romford Recorder. We were just chatting there about the Steve Allen sausage. Either of you tried it yet? No. No, I'm looking forward to it. You could try it. Uh, it's um, yeah. it's a nice, nice, fat, tasty sausage. That's exactly right. Thanks, Emma. The, uh, uh, yeah, no, really, really looking forward to the Steve Allen sausage. Beautiful. A bit worried uh, about the honey, if I'm honest. I'm really? not sure about it. It's it's not overpowering. The <laughs> sweetness of it is not overpowering at all. It just works well with uh, the meatiness. Take your word for it. Well, I swear you can try it. Um, the, the, and that's what the column's about this week, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Because you don't know... Basically, I was, I was saying to a friend of mine, there are two types of people in this world. Those who've had sausages named after them and those who haven't. So ah. you just don't know. So lots is there. I... I <laughs> I get the impression, um, listeners, that um, Mr. Allen is trying to sort of push the boundaries when it comes to newspaper columns. Really? Well, I don't know what, <laughs> is that what you mean. So um, we this? had um, an interesting, um, uh, interesting time trying to come up with a headline for your column this week. So um, yes, and I'm, you, you went straight down the middle with it. There's no pun in there, is there? No. It was just no, no silly jokes. You can buy my sausage. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I did take out, you can taste my sausage, because I did think, you know, obviously... That could was that help. one of my lines? No, that was my headline. <laughs> I am going to say, I as if I would ever write anything so inappropriate, but it, oh, Emily, obviously yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. This is the Rumford recorder, not the carry-on recorder. <laughs> Matron. I'm very happy. What was the, 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 was it the Brexit joke from a few weeks ago? Oh, the Angelina Jolie column. That was it, the Portman's? Yeah, I'm, I, yes. even, even I'm yes. amazed I got that. Yes, yeah. the last part, yes, yes, yeah. yes. As long as we don't point out what that joke was, no. I think we get away no, with it. I think we got away with it. Yeah, I am, I'm enjoying, yes, pushing the boundaries of, uh, <laughs> of, of what should yeah, be printed. Yeah. yeah, we enjoy it, Steve, thank you. We've got loads of time to try and... <laughs> <laughs> re-edit the whole thing to make it yeah, printable. Okay, well, I'll, try, I'll rate it in slightly. Yeah. If you uh, want to have a read of it, it's in the Rob Recorder. It's out today uh, in the Opinion section. And, yeah. There. Get my page thirty, thirty-seven or something. Yeah, yeah. Check out my uh, my views on having a sausage named after you. Yeah. On to story number three. What have we got? We're sticking with food. Um, <laughs> ah. Yep. So uh, this week, uh, people visiting Valentine's Park in Ilford are being asked, "Please don't feed the geese." There's a infestation is not the word. They are not uh, rodents. Um, there's a flood. Use, we're not allowed to use those terms, are we? No. Of geese. Come on um, over here. Explosion. <laughs> explosion. You can't have an explosion of geese. I think if you feed them polystyrene, they do that. Or is that <laughs> this is some, Emma, this is some serious geese but related journalism. Yeah. Come yeah. on, focus. No, sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, so the problem is Lots that the geese. geese are molting so they can't fly. Uh, so they're just stuck there and they're being fed chips and chapatis, apparently. And so they are pooping everywhere and making it really smell. Ooh, mm. awkward. It's about 150 in 150. one park, I think, isn't there? I mean... There's two parks in Redbridge, I think, that where geese is quite a problem. Valentine's Park, which is what this one's about. And also, I think it's South Park as well, where occasionally I have a little gander. Excuse hey, me. hey. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, uh, 
And it's, what are the bottom of your shoes like? Yeah, uh, not good. Blender? Not good. You do have to be careful where you walk. Right. And, and they can be quite vicious as well. They do, do have thinking, a little spit at you. Cause if a swan can break your arm, surely a goose can have a good go. It could take off a finger or something, couldn't it? Well, I don't know. Not, I've got teeth, have they? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I don't even know how a swan breaks your arm. It's just a well-known fact. Oh, a swan, a swan can break your arm. I always thought it's the neck. They're quite strong, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. How would they? Cause how would they break your arm then? Just by hitting your arm with their head? That's my theory. How do they not knock themselves out? Mm. Or do they I get your arm and twist it the back? I think they get you the Go for the arm. <laughs> they get you in an arm wrestle, I think. Full <laughs> <laughs> Nelson. And you just hit. Oh, they've done it again. <laughs> so the goose. I mean, should we uh, should we fear the goose? Mm. Well, it's, it's, a, it's nice to have, you know, animals and wildlife in, in the parks, isn't it? And Not think... when they're, you know, doing that all over the <laughs> place. Well, that's what animals do, isn't it? So, you know. Mm, still. I think we just have to live with it. I think a lot of the problem is, is that people are feeding a lot of the, the birds in the park. And they're feeding them the wrong things, as Emma was saying, chips and chibatis. Um And also, you're not supposed to feed duck spread now. Did you know that, Steve? I don't know the Atkins. Quackins. Quackins. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's meant to be serious. Uh, no, you're not supposed to feed them bread. Why, so, Why is that? Because it's not good for them. And also, if the bread... It's not eaten in the in the in the, um, in the lake. It gets all rotten moldy. and mouldy and makes the make, and poisons the lake, the, the lakes and the ponds and that. So, ah. so that's the one good. And you're supposed, to, I think, if I remember rightly, you're supposed to feed them um, porridge, peas, lettuce, lettuce, lettuce. We've yeah. done so much coverage of this. Yeah. It's been a really big yeah. story. Harrow Lodge Park, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. The Harrow Lodge Park Lake. Um, that often gets polluted, and and they've been saying, and the experts have been saying that it is because people have been um, one of the reasons. There's other reasons with Harrow Lodge Park Lake. You don't, but you don't want to listen to experts. One of the <laughs> last thing I do. Who's who stand by a pond with a lettuce though? Look like an idiot. <laughs> And it feels like you're taunting them, going, at some point you're going to get served with this. Enjoy it now, because you'll be sat next to it when you cook. <laughs> they must get sick of bread, though, mustn't they, really? I mean, yeah. I've often thought when going down with the kids, and there's like, you know, you've got some old mouldy loaf that you've had in, you know, for a week and want to get rid of it, and you know, oh, let's go down the park and get rid of it to the but poor they, old ducks. They look like they enjoy it, though. You know, they, they head straight to it, don't they? You well, they head it straight in, to it. You get the feeling when they sort of... When they get there. When they get there, it's yeah. like, oh. I slam for this. <sighs> Bread again. <laughs> Give me some peas. So, <laughs> peas. Do peas float? Oh, I think so. Yeah. That's right, then. Yeah. Because I was thinking, yeah, that's, that's cruel. Trying to feed them things that don't float, yeah. that's when it gets evil. I think it has to be bird's eye, though. Sorry, am I advertising? <laughs> um, so, yeah, they don't feed chips to geese because it makes them poop all over the place I mean I've not I've not been to Valentine's Park since this problem's kicked in I I got to be honest I think I might wait until they finish molting and flown <laughs> off it'd be like it'd be like running behind Paula Radcliffe I don't like the idea of this <laughs> messy <laughs> so I'm not going to go there um, so a- anything else coming up in the papers that you want to give a, a plug to uh, it's all good it's all it's good, all good with, <laughs> there's um Yes, there's a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks, and I'm you've caught me on the hop there, Steve. But so, there's always good, good stuff in the recorder every week. And next week's column, I'll try to make it not break any laws or <laughs> whatever else we're meant to. <laughs> Thanks for that, Steve. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for coming in. The podcast of this will be available at romfrecorder.co.uk. Chris Carter, Emma Lake, thank you very much, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the local paper review podcast. You can hear the next one live Fridays, 2 p.m. on Time 107.5.